This afternoon we deal with what we confess concerning the ninth commandment of God's law, the ninth commandment in Lord's Day 43. And that's on page 553 of the Book of Praise. And there the church has summarized the word of God about the ninth commandment as follows. What is required in the ninth commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone, twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works under penalty of God's heavy wrath in court and everywhere else. I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that includes the boys and girls who belong to him. A lot of the, uh, the press nowadays is after sensation and gossip. That's how you get those celebrity gossip papers and magazines, National Enquirer and so, so on. And a lot of television talk shows basically just gossip about people. Um, I read an article recently written by somebody who organizes reality television shows and admits there's actually very little reality in those shows at all. It's all scripted beforehand. And it's basically fake. And the internet, it's a beautiful tool for reaching people with the truth, but also is something that can produce a lot of falsehood. Social media, people can make themselves different than they really are on social media. So brothers and sisters, boys and girls, there's a lot of fake and untruth and gossip and rash judgment in the world today. But not only in the world out there, but congregation, let's be honest, also in here, in our own lives. And that's nothing new. The inclination to hypocrisy, to deceit, lies, gossip, slander, judging rashly or unheard, that came, came into the world when man listened to the devil, the father of lies in paradise in the beginning. That's where it all started. Lies and untruth. And that's why God also included the ninth commandment in his covenant law for his people. He wants to renew his people so they love the truth and confess it honestly. And congregation, we need to hear this commandment today then too, and I preach to you what we confess from the Bible about the ninth commandment with this theme, God wants to renew our tongues. And we see two things, this renewal is needed, and secondly, this renewal is possible. First of all, this renewal of our tongues is needed. If you think about it, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's actually amazing that we can communicate 
maybe we don't think about it all the time or often, but we, we take it for granted. We can talk and read and write. Doesn't amaze us that we can communicate. I can talk to you, you can talk with me, write letters, write emails to each other. But imagine, imagine if we couldn't do those things. You realize how important communication is if you can't communicate with someone. And you have then a newborn baby and the baby keeps crying and the baby can't tell you what's wrong. And so frustrating. Makes you feel helpless. You can't communicate. Think of a, a handicapped person, an autistic person, for instance, who can't tell you where it hurts or what's bothering them. Or somebody who has a stroke and just lies there in bed and can't talk even though they understand everything you say. Can't tell you what they need, what they're thinking. And then you're powerless. You can't communicate, can't share important information with that other person. That can cause frustration, sorrow, especially if it's a family member and you realize that you can't take communication for granted then. So congregation, uh, communication is a wonderful gift from God. He created the tongue. He made language, made us able to communicate with him and each other. Right from the beginning, God spoke in language with Adam and Eve. So it didn't develop from grunts into words and into language, no. God gave language. And in that regard, we can say that God made us in his image, similitude, it says in James 3. That's why it says, James 3, verse 9, with it we bless our God and Father, and with our tongue we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God, in the likeness or the image of God. We're made in God's likeness, especially in the matter of communication and speech. Because God is a God who speaks. He spoke and the universe was created. He speaks to us through his word today. He's the God of love and communication, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He acts through his word. Think of how John 1, 1 to 3 calls the Son of God the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. God is a God of the word. His word has power. Power to create, power to save power to recreate. Our words have power too. People can do a lot of good with words from the tongue. But after the fall into sin, you realize it can also do a lot of harm with the tongue. Listen to James. He talks about the power of the tongue. James 3, 3 to 5. He says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and they, we turn their whole body. Look at also at the ships through. Though they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, 
wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Think of those last words in particular. Just a, the tongue is just a small part of the body, one muscle. In fact, it's a single muscle. And yet look at the great effect it can have on its surroundings. Words that's spoken by that little, that little tongue, that muscle. They, James compares it to something like a single match. Just a small thing, a little flame can set a whole forest ablaze, consume, which consumes hundreds of square kilometers of bush and costs millions of dollars to put out again, as is happening in, in the West now. James even says in verse 6 that the tongue sets the course of nature on fire, and the course of nature then is the natural course of life. In other words, you can ruin people's lives with your tongue. That little organ can also be a very positive influence for your own or someone else's love, life. You, with speech, you can build up, edify other people, but you can also break down. And in his letter, James emphasizes the immense damage the tongue can cause. He warns the church about the danger of talking too much. He writes in James 1, everybody should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Aren't we so often too quick to speak? congregation, especially when we're angry or upset or frustrated. You can say a lot of things which you shouldn't say, things which can hurt other people. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, how often don't we say things we shouldn't, things which, uh, which are destructive instead of edifying? How often don't we flatter and say things we don't really mean? How often don't we slide into gossip about someone else in our conversation? How often don't we judge someone rashly? Oh, him, oh, her. I'm afraid we wouldn't be able to keep count even for a single day. That's the way we are after the fall. After we listen to the lies of the serpent, the devil, the Lord Jesus said about him in John 8, verse 44, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, according to his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of lies. And James is a good student of the Lord Jesus when he writes about the tongue in James 3, verse 6 then, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. That's how dangerous our tongue is as a result of our fall congregation. It's connected with the devil in hell. And so like a single match, which can set a whole forest on fire, the tongue can cause a lot of hurt and harm in people's lives, in the church, and in society. And the devil rubs his hands in glee when we thoughtlessly shoot off our mouth. So the catechism wasn't kidding when it says that lying and deceit is the devil's own work. He does his most destructive work through our communication. That's why he's only mentioned in connection with the ninth commandment. That's the only commandment that mentions the devil in the catechism. Our speech can be so harmful 
and hurtful. It says Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one whose words pierce like a sword. In fact, words can kill. We know that from the story of Naboth in the Bible, the neighbor of King Ahab. Ahab wanted his vineyard. And Queen Jezebel sent Naboth to his death by bribing a couple of men to give false testimony against him. Oh yes, that was him. That's what he did. And we also know from the Gospels how the Lord Jesus was falsely accused before the Sanhedrin by means of false testimony. The Sanhedrin tried to have him proven guilty of a crime, but the witnesses didn't agree with what Jesus had supposedly said. It was as if the Jewish leaders had never heard of the Ninth Commandment at all. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. They hated Jesus so much, they didn't even think of the law they knew so well, or they figured it doesn't apply to them. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, we shouldn't think, oh, I'd never do that. That's not me. If we twist someone else's words, just selectively quote, for instance. If we slander someone, just put them down a bit. Gossip. Pass on some juicy stuff from we know about someone else. Or judge. Judge someone on the phone over a cup of coffee. If we try to hurt someone we, didn't, we don't like by saying something sarcastic to him or her, we're doing the same thing. It's connected to hell. And our swords are like sword thrusts which harm maybe even destroy somebody's life and let no one here say that they never, ever would do that. No, we have to, we need to apply to ourselves the words of James at the beginning of James 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing we shall receive stricter judgment for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. If you can control that one little muscle, then you can control your whole body, but you realize that's not possible for us out of ourselves. And James includes himself along with his readers. We all stumble in many ways. We're all stumblers. And, and brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's how it is with our communication, right? We all stumble in many ways every day we fall over our own tongues because we say too much, we gossip, we judge rashly, or we say things which are not true, or we say things which are true, but we say them with the purpose of hurting someone or damaging their reputation, or we say we don't say what should be said. How often don't we, if we really think about it, catch ourselves doing those things with the tongue? And we find it a pleasure to judge others. And it's so enjoyable to talk about the failings of others when they're not around. And we're so good at disguising our wrong words with pious talk, our motives with pious talk, with Bible texts even. That's the way we are. The Bible tells us so. God shows us what we're really like in ourselves, though. Our tongues need renewal. Congregation, listen to what James says about that in James 1, verse 26 and 27. He says there, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. 
useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. See how important our words and deeds are? It's fine to be religious, but our words also have to match what the Lord requires of us in his word. He wants to be the Lord of our whole lives, also Lord over our tongue. And the only way he can do that is if we let the Spirit renew our hearts and that he bring us to hate and flee those sins of the tongue and train us, so to speak, in the words of 1 Peter 4, verse 11, as if we were speaking the very words of God, that we think every time we say something, God could say this. This brings us to the second point of the sermon, the renewal of the tongue is possible. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the ninth commandment looks like one of those impossible commandments to keep. And James says that if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man. Well, none of us is perfect in this. We'll never be perfect in our speech in this life, only in the life to come. In this, we're all, we all remain stumblers in what we say. We stumble in our own words, says James. That's the reality of our lives for all of us. However, there is one person who never stumbled in, in any of his speech, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Never said a word that was out of place or that harmed anyone. Oh, what he said was sometimes hard to take, and it hurt the hearers to the core of their existence. But even then, his words were not intended to harm, but to edify and to bring to repentance and to life. He never said a single thing wrong, even when he spoke in anger. Peter writes about him, 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That's our Savior. The Savior Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life still the truth in person. And when God commands us in the ninth commandment to love the truth that has everything to do with loving the Lord Jesus Christ, that means to love him and seek our forgiveness for the sins of the tongue in him and to seek to follow him in his speaking, to be renewed, to speak as he did and does. And it means that in Christ we love the truth and speak it honestly and do what we can to promote our neighbor's honor and reputation. We can't do that in ourselves. That's impossible for us. And in that, James is correct. We cannot do that ourselves. We're just stumblers in ourselves, sinners. But we can love and speak the truth also for our neighbor's good in the strength of Jesus Christ through our relationship with him. We can come to love and speak the truth. If I love Christ more and more, I can love the truth more and more too and speak it. Christ and his spirit will help me control my tongue. He'll redeem my speech, make it more like his speech. Isaiah was called to be God's prophet to proclaim the truth of God to people. And you can read about that in Isaiah 6, maybe later on when you're at home. It's related there, oh, he had that vision of the temple filled with the glory of God and the seraphim around the Lord's throne. 
And then Isaiah realized that God wanted to send him out as a prophet to speak to the people. But he says, I can't do that, Lord. I cannot do that. Isaiah 6, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What happens, though, in the next verses, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. See, God himself and his grace in Christ can redeem our lips and our tongues and cleanse them. He did that with Isaiah, with that coal from the altar which represented Christ's atonement. He does that today through Jesus Christ crucified and through his spirit and word. He creates a new heart in me, gives me a new life, renews my tongue so that my words more and more become as the words of my Lord and Savior himself. He makes it so that my desire is to love God and my neighbor with my words and, and with my tongue. The Spirit of Christ makes it so that I feel rotten when I don't speak the truth, so that I despise myself when I gossip or make a rash judgment about someone. And His Spirit works in me the desire to speak uprightly only in a positive, edifying way about others, even when I have a conflict with another person. James writes about that, James 3, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? There is no spring. Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. In other words, if I love Christ, truly love Christ, then it actually cannot be that gossip, slander, or rash judgment would proceed from my mouth. And if it does, then it can't be that I just keep letting that come out of my mouth, destructive talk. No, I will be someone who fights that with the strength of the Spirit of Christ in myself. In fact, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, if I let Christ's Spirit live in me, then the battle against lies and slander is really going to heat up in my own life. It'll be a daily battle for me to control that, that muscle in my mouth. It's true, I'll never become perfect here. There'll always be this stumbling around, but there is then also that refusal to accept that stumbling. And there'll be a growing desire to live a new life, to control that tongue. There's a rising up in Christ to new life, also in my communication, my speaking. My life becomes more and more consistent. I'm not just a Christian in name then, but more and more also in words, in what I say. That's how the Apostle Paul writes about that new life in Christ too, Colossians 3. He writes there about dying with Christ and being raised with Christ to new life. And then he says in verses 8 to 10 of Colossians 3, he says, but, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, 
And then he lists these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Through his spirit, congregation, Jesus Christ does the, the impossible, makes us, wants to make us more and more into new people, godly people, also in the use of our tongues, makes us into people who show his image, also in what comes out of our mouths. What we say to each other and about each other. And then, congregation, we're going to bring forth fresh water out of the renewed spring of our hearts, aren't we? If the Spirit of Christ lives there in our hearts, and our words will be more and more appealing, refreshing, encouraging, edifying, won't they? Like the words of our Savior, because it's His Spirit who controls our tongues then. And not the devil, the father of lies. Then the desire to lie and gossip and judge rashly and twist in someone else's words, that, that kind of feeling will die in us. And the desire to speak the truth in love will more and more come to life in us. And then we become quick to listen and slow to speak as his spirit calls us to in, in James 1. That's what happens when our tongue is governed by the spirit of Christ and not by the, connected to the father of lies in hell. Then we want to praise the Lord with our mouth and love our neighbor with word and deed. Then more and more you see that our tongue is connected with heaven, not with hell. So let's live close to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's humbly seek forgiveness and new life in him every day because we speak every day. And then, congregation, if we do that, we'll become the way, that way more and more in him until we're with the Lord and every word we speak will be as the word of God himself. Amen.